about that a little bit. Grab your Bibles. We're going to go to Proverbs 13, 20. Give me an amen when you get there. It would be the pastor's daughter over here, you know, old, old preacher's kid over there. Oh, I'm here. Amen. Got there quicker than everybody. I want everybody to see that, notice that, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's no selfish Christians in here whatsoever, I promise. No prideful ones. Just one verse we'll read, and then we're going to get into the, into the sermon. And you're right, this has been the same one we've read for this entire series. He who walks with the wise will be wise, but the, com- but the companion of fools will be destroyed. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I praise you for this church, the victory of this church, the joy of this church. Father, thank you for the men and women that have been a part of this ministry since the beginning, that have built, uh, that, have built, that, built that ministry with us, Father, with... Uh, obviously in your direction uh, that has put this church in place today father we praise you for those men and women and god i need them to know how much i love them how much our family loves them how much this church loves them because again without the uh the people of our past um, our present and our future is not going to be what it is that's actually what we're preaching on today Uh, father i ask that today as we go feed the homeless father that the holy spirit is not only all over the ones that will be there but father over us that are serving Father, make sure that we do a great job of getting your love to them uh, before they leave that place. Make sure they feel it. Uh, Father, give us the courage to make sure that happens and that that we give that to them. Uh, Father, you've given me a sermon. Uh, This series, I've really enjoyed preaching on it. I want to thank you for putting it on my heart. Uh, Father, today, in order to give your word, Father, I need you to anoint me from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. Father, I need you to take all distractions away from me. Any pride, um, lack of courage, and Father, replace it with your courage, your boldness to give your message, and most importantly, your love. And then Father, lastly, Miss Linda, Father, as a church, we're going to stand together on this and stand in agreement. We're going to claim perfect healing over her, quick and perfect healing. Uh, Father, I know that uh, we, we got a lot of work to do, and she, she's a part of that. And uh, so, Father, I need you to place that on her heart, make sure she understands that We've got a lot of work to do in this church, and we need our help to do it. Ask these things in your name, Father. Help us to love, laugh, and forgive. Amen. Amen. All right. There was a pastor um, who usually turned his mic on every Sunday. <laughs> this pastor, uh, actually, he was, he was dying. He was on his deathbed, and uh, the elders and the deacons had gone over to his house to see him beforehand, and they were visiting with him, and uh, they tried to give him some warm milk uh, just to kind of comfort him a little bit. And He took a sip and kind of passed it along, really didn't want anything to do with it. Well, one of the deacons who, who you know, he, he didn't go by completely the word of, you know, don't, you know, don't drink too much wine. He went and got some brandy, and he put it in the milk, and he brought it back to the pastor. Again, they were trying to comfort him in this time, and they gave him a drink of it, and he grabbed it, and he took a drink. Then he took another drink, and then he took another drink. So then all the elders and the deacons got around him, and they felt like this was the perfect time to get that last bit of wisdom out of their pastor before he passed away. And they asked the pastor, they said, what do you have for us? What do you want to leave us with? And he looked at him and he said, don't sell that cow. 
We should always seek wisdom from those who lived life before us, right guys? Amen? For the last few weeks, we've been on a journey. We've gone way back in time to the Old Testament to learn lessons from some of the greatest heroes in the Bible. This week, we're going to continue this sermon series uh, that's entitled Lessons from the Past. The last few weeks, we dove into the stories of Nehemiah, Noah, and Job. Today we're going to talk about a man that is very seldom mentioned when discussing heroes of the Old Testament. In fact, I only found eight total sermons on YouTube dedicated to this man. Only eight, guys, out of the entire YouTube channel. That's all I could find. The problem is he's mentioned in two different books in the Bible, 1 King and 2 Chronicles. You would think that there would be more sermons on him. He comes from a great bloodline of other heroes of the Old Testament, and he served as the king of Judah for 41 years, which is the third longest reign of any king of Judah. This man is King Asa. That's who we're going to preach on today. Get your Bibles out, guys. If you would, we're going to be in 1 Kings 14 and 15, just for a little bit, but then put a mark on 2 Chronicles 14 through 16. We're going to be there most of the time. So if you're following along, I hope you are. 1 Kings chapter 14. 2 Chronicles chapter 14, okay? I'll give you just a second for those of you that brought your Bible. Kings, 1 Kings chapter 14. I said it twice. I repeated myself. I mean, you know. Just follow around. Just, just, just follow along. Follow along. Okay. I just said a few moments ago that King Asa came from a great bloodline of Old Testament heroes. Asa's great, great grandfather was King David. Okay. Even though King David did a lot of great things, you know, if you can remember at the end of his reign, you know, he had an affair uh, with Bathsheba, and then he ended up murdering Bathsheba's wife, or excuse me, husband. Uh, so, I mean, the end of his reign wasn't that great, but obviously he started out very well. Asa's great-grandfather was King Solomon. And even though he was the, known to be the wisest man in his time and the wisest man in the Old Testament, that's said many, many times, uh, even though that was the case, he fell to lust. Uh, you know, they say he was the wisest man in the Bible. Do you all know he had 1,000? He had like 700 girlfriends and 300 wives, or maybe I flipped that. That's not very wise. I'm just... I always find it hard to believe he was the wisest man in the Bible. Anyway, that's okay. so we're, we're going to get off that. But, but even though he was this, he fell to lust, he fell to women, and they ended up persuading him to serve other gods. Okay? So again, started out really great and didn't end so well. Asa's grandfather was King Rehoboam. Let's see what King Rehoboam was like. Let's go to 1 Kings 14, 22 through 24. Did you hear that? 1 Kings 14, 22. It's right here. Yeah, it is. During Rehoboam's reign, the people of Judah did what was evil in the Lord's sight, provoking his anger with their sin. For it was even worse than that of their ancestors, guys. For they also built for themselves pagan shrines and set up uh, sacred pillars and Asherah poles on every high hill and under every green tree. There were even male and female shrine prostitutes throughout the land. The people imitated the detestable practices of the pagan nations the Lord had driven from the land ahead of the Israelites. 
Asa's grandfather, Rehoboam, uh, he's not looking real good. He didn't even start out good, right? Didn't look real good. Now let's go to the next king, guys. We're going to go take a look at uh, King Asa's father. Uh, this was uh, Abijam, King Abijam. Let's see, maybe he did a little bit better. 1 Kings 15, 3. He, this is Abijam, committed the same sins as his father before him. He sucks too. <laughs> Guys, this family has struggled for four generations, y'all. Are y'all catching this? They committed adultery. They committed murder. They fell to the temptation of lust. They worshipped other gods. They even built shrines and altars for male and female prostitutes. The Bible goes on to say that they did, well, everything they did was detestable to God. But now steps in the man we're going to learn about today, which is King Asa. Now we're going to go to Second Chronicles chapter 14. Yeah, yeah, chapter 14. Yeah, you're welcome. When Abijah died, he was buried in the city of David. Then his son Asa became the next king. There was peace in the land for ten years. Asa did what was pleasing and good in the sight of the Lord his God. He removed the foreign altars and the pagan shrines. He smashed the sacred pillars and cut down the Asherah poles. Guys, you need to catch this. I actually, I'm sorry, go to verses 4 and 5, Nick. I'm sorry. He commanded the people of Judah to seek the Lord, the God of their ancestors, and to obey his law and his commands. Asa also removed the pagan shrines as well as the incense altars from every one of Judah's towns. So Asa's kingdom enjoyed a period of peace. After generations of failure, we finally see a turning point here for this family. King Asa, unlike his family before him, decided to trust in God and not in himself. He decided to put an end to the generational curses that were passed down from his family before him. Simply put, as you can read in this verse, King Asa was cleaning up his ancestors' mess. And before I go any further, I need you all to think about that. The things that you do while alive on this earth, I need you to understand, that does get passed down. Now, the good news is, is we don't have to accept that from our ancestors it's a great thing in the old testament there were curses but see when jesus christ died on the cross now there's no more curses we can stop those curses and we can live a better life for the next generation of our family but you need to keep in mind that the decisions that you make today it doesn't just affect you it affects your family it affects your children your grandchildren your great-grandchildren so forth and so on we need to be setting the example for our family of what they should be doing after we're gone. Amen? Amen. Amen. Oh, man. Yeah, I forgot about this. Okay. Guys, I want to read that last sentence one more time. So, Asa's kingdom enjoyed a period of peace. Oh, I'm so glad I didn't forget this. When you put your trust in God and not in your own understanding, you fall into God's favor. And right here in this sentence, you see that when you are walking in God's favor, peace follows, right? That's, that's what King Ace is doing. He's changing everything. He's getting everything back into God's favor. 
And he's, he's experiencing peace, right? Do you know what peace provides? Don't answer it. Let's go look at 2 Chronicles 14.6. During those peaceful years, he was able to build up, the, uh, build up the fortified towns throughout Judah. No one tried to make war against him at this time, for the Lord was giving him rest from his enemies. Mm, right? Show of hands. Who, who's tired right now? Who needs some rest from the enemy? If you ain't raising your hand, you, 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 I pray that you continue to not have to worry about the enemy. <laughs> Guys, I, I want to show you a chart that I made up real quick. Nick, if you could pull that up for me. If you trust and obey God, then you are therefore in God's favor. God will give you peace. And then you can rest. If you won't rest, for all of y'all that raised your hands, and for all of you that didn't, I'd screenshot this and remember it. When you do need rest, guys, this is how you get rest. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I walk up to people, I'm like, how you doing, man? I'm tired. I'm tired. Listen, I say that all the time. I ain't going to lie to y'all. Like, I'm tired, you know? The attacks from the evil one will do that to you. They will exhaust you in so many ways. And, you know, sometimes it's not even your fault. Sometimes it's because it's you're a pastor and your church is, is crazy, you know. I mean, so sometimes you got those problems, you know what I'm saying? Or you got crazy kids. I don't have crazy kids. I got great kids. Well, Caroline, a little crazy, but she's pretty cool. You know, but, <laughs> but what I'm getting at, I mean, y'all feel me, right? Like, when you need rest, guys, this is how you get to it. Get in his favor. He'll give you that peace. Falls into rest. Amen. The Bible tells us that our God is a God of order. When we fall out of his order, chaos follows. But when you fall into his order, rest follows. Simply put, guys, if your life is full of chaos and you're not getting any rest and you're tired and you're exhausted, you need to quit playing God and turn to God. Guys, I promise you, when you're exhausted, a lot of times that's the problem. You're playing God. You're trying to. You suck at it. You're trying to play God. You need to turn to God. Allow him to do his job. Your job is to be obedient. That's all you got to do. Just be obedient to him. Therefore, you'll get in his favor. Therefore, you'll get peace. Then you'll get rest. In order to be a great leader, you have to be a great follower. And that's what King Asa is showing us so far here in 2 Chronicles. I want you guys to write this down. Our leadership rises and falls on our fellowship. Amen? You want a good leader? You want to follow a good leader? Who's he following? Better check it. If he's following himself, we've got a major problem. Great leaders are followers. The reason why King Asa experienced success is because he put his trust in God first. He was a follower before he was a leader. Parents, we need to implement this in our home. Parents, are your children, are they seeing you follow God? If you want to leave that legacy with your children, are, are they seeing it? Because if not, it'll be hard for them to follow, right? Implement that in your homes, parents. I ask you that question, and I'm not trying to beat you up or step on your toes. I'm, I'm aiming at your heart. If your children aren't seeing you worship God, turn to God in difficult situations. It's going to be hard for them to carry that on to the next generation and the next generation. We need to be setting the tone at our home right now. 
One of the main things King Asa is known for is a battle that occurs with the Ethiopians here in 2 Chronicles chapter 14. The Ethiopians attack Judah with an army of 1 million soldiers and 300 chariots. 1.3 million men. King Asa's army only consisted of about half of that, about 500,000 soldiers. Just a quick nugget, guys, for y'all to grab a hold of. This is the largest battle, by the way, mentioned in the Bible by man. Revelation's a little different, but by man, this is the largest battle mentioned in the Bible. But we see here that King Asa's army is outnumbered by more than two to one. It doesn't take a mathematician to realize that they're in trouble. But instead of panicking, let's look and see what Asa did, 2 Chronicles 14, 11. Asa cried out to the Lord his God, O Lord, no one, no one but you can help the powerless against the mighty. Help us, O Lord our God, for we trust in you alone. It is in your name that we have come against this vast army. King Asa didn't panic. He went to God. He didn't panic. Outnumbered two to one, more than two to one. He didn't panic. Went to God. My question is, do you do that? When the odds are against you and everything is in Satan's corner, do you panic or do you turn to God? Let's look at the next verse. We're going to look at 14.12. So the Lord defeated the Ethiopians in the presence of Asa and the army of Judah and the enemy fled. You need to always remember when you are walking in God's favor and God is with you, the odds don't matter. They don't matter. Nothing is bigger than our God. Right here, Asa is outnumbered by more than two to one, guys. I want you to envision this. I want you to envision if you're walking up to battle and you've got 500 soldiers, strong men, man. I mean, dedicated guys. But I don't care how dedicated they are. If you look across that field and you see that their soldiers are more than twice of what you have, it's hard not to panic. I'm not going to lie to you all. It's hard not to panic. But the thing is, is we should have the same faith that Asa did. And while he's looking at them, he says, but God. Ball game. We tend to look at the size of our problem instead of looking at the size of our God. King Asa is teaching us here that regardless of the giants that we face in our life with God, we are giant slayers. After this, King Asa's kingship took off. Judah began to prosper. Everything was good. The economy was good. The people of Judah were loving life. In fact, guys, there were many people from other nations that were moving into Judah because they saw how God had just taken over this country. and It was just blossoming. It was, it was doing so great. It was prospering. So you had all these people moving in. And it, it reminds me of in, in history class and then, yeah, pretty much history class. When I was a kid, you heard about the Roaring Twenties. Right? In the United States. Some of these young kids are like, man, 20s? That's 100 years ago. <laughs> the roaring 20s was a great time for our country. And then, and then I look at it as a, as a child, the 80s. The 80s were great, right? Everything, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. You're dang straight. The 80s was great. You know, you, you had Back to the Future, Indiana Jones. You know, you had all these great things. 
the 80s was a wonderful time for the United States. Well, that's, if you can picture it, that's what Judah's got right here. You put the 20s and the 80s together, and that's what's going on. God is in total control of this country, so you got people moving in. Everything's going great. Everything looks good. But then all of a sudden, something happens at the beginning of chapter 15. Let's go there, 2 Chronicles 15, 1 through 2. Then the Spirit of God came upon Azariah, son of Oded. And he went out to meet King Asa as he was returning from the battle. Guys, this is right after the battle. It's right after the battle. He just went out there and God with him beat the mess out of all these Ethiopians. Ran them off. And then right after it's done, listen to me, Asa, he shouted. Listen, all you people of Judah and Benjamin. So he ain't just talking to Asa. He's talking to all those soldiers, right? The Lord will stay with you as long as you stay with him. Whenever you seek him, you will find him, but, don't you hate it when people say but? Like, it makes me mad, you know what I'm saying? Like, they'd be bragging on, you know, like, man, you're really cool. Like, you, you know, I remember I used to do this, like, I had fire somebody one time, and, you know, I was like, you know, you, you do a great job, you know, you get here on time, so forth, but, but if you abandon him, he will abandon you. Why did the prophet Azariah tell King Asa this? Everything was going good for Judah. They just defeated the Ethiopians. The economy is great. People are moving into the country because of all the success. Everyone is happy. Guys, I'm going to tell you all why I think this prophet came and told King Asa this when everything was going good. Because everything was going good. I want you to think about this, Christian warriors, when everything's going good in your life, we have a tendency to rely and to lean on our own understanding. This is a warning shot to King Asa. That's what this is, and I'm here to warn you guys today the same thing that this prophet was warning King Asa. When everything is going good in your life, watch out. Watch out for you. That's what you got to watch out for. Don't ever forget where your success actually came from, guys. We can do nothing without God. You know, I see this happen a lot to, uh, to churches. Everything's going great. They're getting all these butts in the seats. Finances are great. Got all this money in the bank. And then all of a sudden, something happens. They take their eye off of God and they keep thinking about what they're doing. They forget to praise him for the butts in the seats and the finances. And the next thing you know, you've got a situation where the whole church falls apart. I've seen pastors go through this. Pastors get all high on themselves, you know, they're up there preaching, everybody's loving on them and everything. And then it scares me when they start to say back, you know, yeah, I did this and I did this. And when I hear the word I, that I struggle with that. I did nothing. God does everything. I mean, y'all think about it. How many churches and pastors have you seen that have been so successful, blown it up? And then all of a sudden, one little, just one Satan slithers his way into the church. 
it goes straight to the pulpit and gives that pastor a little bit of pride. Happens all the time. Y'all have my word as the pastor of this church. I will do everything in my power to not let that happen here. As we continue on with King Asa, we are reminded that the Bible doesn't shield us from the imperfections of the great heroes in the Old Testament. And I thank God for that. Because even though we can learn a lot from their victory, sometimes we can learn even more from their mistakes. I want to look at 2 Chronicles 16, verses 1 through 3. This is an example of what I was just talking about. In the 36th year of Asa's reign, King Basha of Israel invaded Judah and fortified Ramah in order to prevent anyone from entering or leaving King Asa's territory in Judah. Asa responded by removing the silver and gold from the treasuries of the temple of the Lord and the royal place. I'm going to stop right there. This is what I see all the time. He responded by doing what he thought was best. It didn't say he went to God in prayer. Y'all feel me? Guys, when, when things are not going your way, don't try to fix it yourself. We're stupid. God is a genius. Go to God. You know, it's kind of like when I was in school. Like I sucked at chemistry, so I sat by the smartest person in the class. Guys, you lean on the people that have the power to help you through the process. And the problem is, is this is what he's leaning on his own understanding. That's what he's doing. He's like, well, maybe if I just get this gold and we'll read it here in a minute and just all these other. But instead of, this is what I, I struggle with, he didn't respond with prayer. This is a guy, guys, okay, it says the 36th year of Asa's reign. That means for 36 years. He was following God. Everything was looking good. Everything was great, right? He's on this walk with God, and he's growing, okay? And then all of a sudden, for some dumb reason, he didn't turn to God. That goes to show you, regardless of how far you are on your walk, Satan's still stout. I don't care if you've got two months in on your walk, or you're like St. Don, who's been doing it for 50 years, okay? Doesn't matter. Satan will find a way to slither in. You have to be on guard all the time, guys. You have to be. Let me finish reading that. Okay, Asa responded by removing the silver and the gold from the treasuries in the temple of the Lord and the royal palace. I said places earlier. Palace. That's a, you know. He sent it to the king, uh, to King Benahad of Aram, who was ruling in Damascus along with this message, let there be a treaty between you and me like the one between your father and my father. See, I am sending you silver and gold. Break your treaty with King Bashai of Israel so that he will leave me alone. I'm going to give you some money so you, so, so you can get this dude to get off my back. That's what he's trying to tell him, okay? He panicked, guys. You know, I said earlier, don't panic. He panicked. But he panicked this time without God. As children of God, we should never panic. Panic is a reaction of fear, and God is not a God of fear. Never panic with fear. When you panic, when you panic in making these decisions, this is what happens. When you panic and you don't allow God to make the decision for you, if you don't go to God and allow the Holy Spirit to lead you in that direction, then you're going to panic and you're going to make the decision out of your flesh. 
And that's what Asa did here. Again, he made a huge mistake. After this, King Benahad agreed to King Asa's request. He attacked King Bashai, and he and the armies retreated from the attack on Judah. Then another prophet shows up, guys, to visit with King Asa. We're going to pick up there, 2 Chronicles 16, 7 through 9. This is what the prophet says to Asa. Because you have put your trust in the king of Aram instead of the Lord your God, you missed your chance to destroy the army of the king of Aram. Guys, God already had it in the plans. All he had to do was lean on God, and God would have said, go attack, we're going to win. But instead, he goes broke. He gets all the money, and he gives it to another king for protection. But what this tells us here is, is I mean, you can see this. You missed your chance to destroy this army. Guys, when God asks you to do something, and you don't do it, you missed your chance. Don't you remember what happened to the Ethiopians and their vast army with all their chariots and charioteers? At that time, you relied on the Lord, and he handed them over to you. The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed. What a fool you have been. From now on, you will be at war. Guys, verse 9 is very important. If you, if you follow along in your Bibles, you might want to highlight that. The eyes of the Lord search the world, search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to, them, to him. So guys, basically, you know, if you're fully committed to him, you don't go find God, God finds you. Amen? Amen? I like that dang verse. That's huge. You see, King Asa put this trust in himself and another king instead of the king of kings. And because of this, he falls out of favor with God. And then let's look what happened to Asa after that. Second Chronicles 16, 12 through 3. In the 39th year of his reign, three years later, Asa developed a serious foot disease. Yet even with the severity of his disease, he did not seek the Lord's help, but turned only to his physicians. He died in the 41st year of his reign. Now, guys, I'm going to say something here, and, and some of you, again, I'm not trying to step on your toes. Please understand that. I'm aiming at your heart. When you get sick, when somebody in your family gets sick, when somebody you love gets sick, don't go straight to the doctor. Pray over it. Give God a chance to heal. Our God is still in the healing business. Y'all understand me? He's still in the healing business. He's still in the miracle business. It's our, it's our job to give him the opportunity. But sometimes we go running straight to the doctor. Hey, I'm guilty of it. I'm not going to lie to y'all. I'm guilty of it. You know, I'm, I, I got one time, I got uh, uh, what was it? Uh, the throat thing, you know, that you, uh, strep throat, thank you very much. I'm struggling up here. So strep throat. Now I was younger, wasn't on my walk the way I should be, but, but I'll never forget this. It was the first time I'd been to the doctor in probably 10 years. I don't go to the doctor. I don't like doctors. If there's doctors in here, I love you, but I don't like you. Okay? I need you to understand that. Y'all are expensive, and you poke me with needles. I don't like it. And I hate the dentist, but I love you. Okay? So I remember going to the doctor. I was miserable. Got home. I'm laid up in bed. 
And I remember my dad calls me on the phone. He says, son, I ain't seen you in a week. What are you doing? I said, dad, I'm sick as a dog. Did you pray about it? That's a slap in the face. He goes on to tell me over the phone exactly what I just told you guys. You got to allow God to fix it first. And listen, if he doesn't, that's him telling you, get your butt to the doctor because I put doctors in place to heal you. Okay? Don't be stupid, you know. I mean, if, you, if you're still sick, get to the doctor, okay? At the end of King Asa's life, you know what he did. He leaned on his own understanding. He decided to trust in himself and not in God. So again, guys, for 35 years, Asa had a close relationship with God. 35 years. I'm going to repeat myself on this again. For 35 years, everything was well in Judah. After that, catch this, King Asa got lazy and complacent with his relationship with God. And he quit obeying God. He quit listening to God. That's what happens here. We have to continue to stay aggressive in pursuing a strong relationship with God each and every day. And here's why. And I need you to grab this. Grab this. When you get lazy, Satan gets busy. When you get lazy, that's when Satan says, I got this guy now. He's not paying attention. I can sneak in and, and I, can, I, can, I can move some things around in his life that will just wreck him. Because he's not on guard. He's not paying attention. She gets it. Guys, Don says this all the time. You can't get full on your last spiritual meal. You got to keep pushing. You got to keep growing in your relationship with God. Because the thing is, is God's trying to make you stronger. And what I need you to understand is the stronger he makes you, the more that Satan, he starts to work out. He gets to the gym more. He's beating you there. Because he knows you're getting stronger. And he knows the only way he can beat you is by him getting stronger. And continuing to pick at you. And continuing to fight with you. And what happens is, is we get out of shape. We get out of shape. We get out of Christian shape. And he comes at us and we can't fight. But for, you know, back in the day, y'all don't know about this. But, you know, like, man, it's tiring getting a fight, okay? Like, you're tired, man. Like, I mean, within seconds, you're exhausted. But if you do it right, if you take somebody that knows how to fight, that knows how to box, that knows how to make sure that they're going to watch you and let you swing haymakers all day long, then you're going to get wore out, and then they're going to attack, that's what Satan does. We have to be the trained fighters. We have to be the ones that build our endurance. Isn't what Paul said? Gain endurance, let's finish the race. You know, something along that line. You know, I didn't have it memorized, but that's close enough, right? That's close enough, right? Thank you. You got to make your pastor feel good when he's not doing so great, okay? Write this down, guys. How you start matters, but how you finish matters more. Amen. Amen. When God asks you to do something, a lot of times we think we're done. You know, when, when God asks you, when God asked us to start the ministry of Christian warriors, 
you know, I, I really thought, like, all right, that's cool, man. We're done. Like, that's all we got to do, you know. We're good. And then he came back. He said, no, man, I ain't done. I need you to start church now. Guys, I need you to grasp this. We got to keep moving with him. God is movement, right? Amen. He's always moving. Don't sit still. You sit still, you're going to get behind Every act of obedience, every step that you take in obedience, I need you to grab this, it, it, it's just the beginning of the next act of obedience. He's continuing to build you. So don't think you're done, because you ain't done until you're dead. You feel me? You got to continue. When God tells you to do something, you do it. When you feel the Holy Spirit tugging you in that direction, you do it. And then, yes, he's going to continue to ask you. Because he's trying to build your endurance. Because the battles only get tougher. He's trying to help you out. He's training you guys. He's our trainer. And that's what he's doing. I'm going to close with this story. Get a drink. Again, it's not about how you finish, right? Or excuse me, not about how you start. It's not about how you start. I'm going to start over here. Man, I'm messing up. It's not about how you start, it's about how you finish. Years and years ago, who in here knows who Jim Brown was? He, yeah, greatest running back of all time, okay? And I'm a Cowboy fan, right? But that'll just tell you, he's the greatest running back of all time. Jim Brown uh, obviously was really well known, and there was a young boy that lived in San Francisco that knew who Jim Brown was. That was his big hero. He followed him all the time. He couldn't afford to go to any games. This, this young man... Uh, had a medical condition. He had shorter legs. He had bowed legs. He struggled even walking as a kid. He, he really struggled with this. But one time in San Francisco, Jim Brown came to play. And what this young kid would do is he would sit outside the gate and beg, beg the people to let him in. Well, usually back then you could do this. At about the two-minute warning, they would allow anybody into the stadium. You know, it's not like it is nowadays. You have to do all the security and all that kind of stuff. So two-minute warning, he goes in, he happens to get in the area of the tunnel where all the players are coming out, okay, or when the game was over, they, excuse me, they were going in the locker room. And he's standing there, and here comes Jim Brown. And this kid, he's excited, man. He's screaming, Mr. Brown, Mr. Brown. And, and Jim's real busy signing autographs. He took time to talk to everybody, by the way. And he's taking time, he's talking to everybody all the way in. And this kid's screaming and screaming. He walks past the kid, and as he walks past, one of the coaches see the kid. And he said to Jim Brown, he's like, hey, man, this kid back here really wants your autograph. So Jim turns around. He takes the time to visit with this kid. This kid looks at him, and he says, hey, he said, uh, you know, you're my hero, but I just want you to know I'm going to break your single-season record one day. <laughs> Jim Brown looks down at this kid, and he starts laughing. He said, all right, kid. He said, I like that. He said, but since you're going to do that, why don't you give me your name so I know who you are when you do break that record? He said, my name is Orenthal James Simpson. My buddies call me O.J. O.J. Simpson broke that record. He rushed for over 2,000 yards in a 14-game season. But catch this. People don't remember him for that. This is a young man that had dreams. And God gave him the gift to go do it. And one night, he made a terrible decision, and that's his legacy. My question to everybody in this room today is, is what kind of legacy are you going to leave? 
Are you going to leave one when you're following God, or are you going to leave one where you start out hot, but you finish cold? My prayer is that every Christian warrior that ever walks through this church and walks out of this church will grasp this today. Because I need you to understand something. The legacy that you leave is not about you. People don't need to see you when you leave that legacy. They need to see God. What are you going to leave for the next generation to see? Your pride or our Father in heaven? Amen.